religious life when I was when I was just first starting out I thought I was gonna have to change like who I was you know but that was the complete opposite of what was expected in religious life um, because in religious life it's actually they they push you into the deepest parts of who you are welcome to the spirit is lit podcast a spirit-centered podcast join us each week for a conversation on faith current events and everything in between hey folks and welcome to the spirit is lit podcast i am really excited about this guest because i'm biased uh, because they are the first Nuevo Mexicano we have on this podcast, first fellow New Mexican like myself. His name is Patricio Chacon. Um, I met him a f- like five years back or so. Um, he is currently a um, in the Norbertine Order, and we had a really good conversation about his experience with that, discerning that, um, and we kind of nerded out on some theology and stuff. So um, this is a fun conversation. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Patricio, um, welcome to the Spirit is Lit podcast. It is great to be here, Jacob. It's thank you for for inviting me to be part of this. It's, it's good to see you again. And good to I, I know we're on the Zoom call. People will hear our hear our voices, but um, uh, you know when 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 I you know welcome you on. People might be wondering uh who you know, who is Patricio? Can you tell us kind of a little bit about who you are? Maybe a bit about your story. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So I am from the northern part of New Mexico. Uh, so it is a very small, a very small town of probably around 280 people um, who live there. That's when I was growing up there. Um, so to give a little bit better sense of how small the town is, I graduated with the class of 15 people. <laughs> so, so I grew up in this town my entire life. It's, it's in this nice little valley up in the Hemis Mountains. Um, so it's very, it's very rural, very secluded from, from basically a lot of, a lot of places, um, around there, you know, so it's just kind of, kind of out of the way is, I don't think people are, are trying to go there unless they're like hunting or something like that, then they make their way out there, but usually it's a pretty, pretty secluded place. So I grew up in that town. Um, I left there when I was about, I think I was 18 years old. I left right after high school, actually. And I moved to Albuquerque, started going to school and everything like that. Um, and I, during that time, I was as as I was as I was just kind of kind of doing my own thing, going to school and all of that. You know, I was involved in this retreat program and, and everything like that. I was helping out with with those with those things, trying to get a better sense of who God is. You know, um, and so I. I started directing retreats and I was helping out with those for, for a good while. And, and our spiritual director actually for that retreat, um, he, I, I wanted to go to confession and stuff before we started this, this weekend. And I, I, I went to confession and everything. And, and at the end of the confession, he, he asked me these questions and it, and that's, that's kind of the springboard, the starting point for, for my whole, I guess, vocational journey, my own story of, of where God, where God was calling me or where I felt God might be calling me, you know, beginning that, that, that journey. So the questions were, where is God most tangible in your life? 
where have you been able to encounter God most closely, most, where, where has God been most tangible to you? And then the last question was, where might God be calling you further? And those two questions were the springboard for that whole search, um, for that whole journey. And actually the name of this retreat program was called Search for Christian Maturity. So I thought that was pretty, uh, a pretty, um, pretty appropriate name for that. So I guess it's from that point, fast forward a little bit. Um, I started, I started visiting the Abbey and I actually believe me and you had met here at one of the retreats, right? I think you were back home visiting or something and came on retreat. And so that was, was, I started showing up more and more after that. I I showed up because I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to, I need a break. I'm going to go take this retreat. Um, Even though I had those questions still lingering, I had, I wanted nothing to do with, um, with, I guess, giving my life to, to the church and things like that, you know? Um, but when I showed up, like I said, I started, I started staying around and I was like, Oh, I, I really like this place. This is, this is pretty interesting. And, you know, as I started coming back more and more, I really felt like I was at, I was at home. Um, and that was a feeling that, you know, moving recently from, from such a small town, from such a tight knit community, um, it was, it was a little hard to find that sense of home. Um, even though I lived with my brothers and, and things like that, it was, it's, it, it was quite a change. Albuquerque's not that big, but moving from a town of 200 people to, to 600,000 is a little, is a little rough. <laughs> so I, I just stayed, I just stayed coming back and, and, um, eventually I, I ended up, um, joining the community and uh, it's been, gosh, how long? I think it's been like four years, four and a half years that I've been been with the community now. So it's been it's been an interesting journey coming from a small town and eventually seeing seeing my life now where it ended up. You know, it's 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 such a blessing, just such a blessing. Dude, I remember that um, retreat. Tell me if you remember this. Like we were just chatting in that. Um... I think it was one of the common areas and you had you were um expressing a dream that you had about you were a priest do you remember that oh gosh i i very vaguely remember that but i remember having a conversation with you around around that i do remember that <laughs> yeah super cool so yeah that, that's that's awesome so um you know you're a part of the like you know this norbertine community um what i understand you're a norbertine brother right now um, yes and um so could you just you know tell a little bit of our uh, to our listeners about you know who the norbertines are maybe maybe their way of life you know what they might be known for yeah so we're actually we're a fairly small order um but we're we're pretty old <laughs> so um so our order was founded by saint norbert of xanton um in the year 1121 on christmas actually um it was it was a huge there was a huge movement whenever he founded this order there were thousands of of brothers and sisters that lived in the in the monastery because it was both a, a men's and women's monastery um so that was that way of life was just booming so we're i guess the kind of we're, we're canons regular um is what we're called and that's a, that's our official title canons regular of of Pre-Montre. and I guess a good description would be like a mixture between like a a monastic, like a monk and a um, 
a friar. Uh, you know, we live we live in community with each other, uh, but we still go out and do ministry. So we leave the monastery um, to go to go to the different parishes that we run or some guys might teach or something like that. And, but we, at the end of the day, we come back to be with each other and to pray with each other, to have fellowship with each other, dinner, things like that. Um, so our, our center of life is, is here within the community. And that's a huge part of who we are is, is, is um, our life as a community. Um, so we, there are, there are nuns, brothers, um, and priests within this order. Uh, there's there's actually a, a quite large um, cloistered community of nuns in California, um, and then there's also an active community of nuns out there, and then there's also another monastery of of um, of Norbertine fathers. Um, but we're we're kind of we're spread kind of throughout throughout the world. Um, started in Europe and eventually moved its way out west to the United States. Um, and so now there, there's a few a few monasteries here, and New Mexico being one of the younger um, abbeys within our order's history. Uh, so we have 13 members here, and and our main our main what we come together is what we come together for is to be a community with each other. Um, so that's as Norbertines that that is who we are. That's one of the more important things of our life because our ministries that we do outside of the community are made possible because of our life here in community, you know? So we're, um, we're, we're trying to go back to, to the beginning of the spirituality of St. Norbert. Um, we're turning 900 years old <laughs> this year, actually. So we have a whole year of, uh, of different kind of lectures, festivities, things planned throughout the year to to celebrate this uh, this jubilee um, of what our founder started with all of us, you know, and and I just kind of I kind of imagined to myself and kind of think I was like I wonder what what Saint Norbert would think of today that to see that this order has continued on for 900 years after he founded it, you know? So it's, it's sort of, it is, it is amazing. And again, uh, another blessing to be able to be part of part of this community and the different ministries that we have. So you talked about like not quite a bit about this idea of community as like ministry and even just like charism of the Norteens. Um, mm -hmm. How has, uh, how has your idea of community impacted since becoming, you know, part of the Norbertines? Yeah. So I think to, excuse me, I think to begin with, um, community has been a very big part of my life growing up. Um, living in such a small community, the all the families that are there in the community are very close to each other. You know, they're willing to help each other if needed. Um, and everybody knows what's going on in the community. So if there's a problem or something, people are, are, are very much attentive to each other's needs um, where I grew up. Um, but to even go a little bit deeper into that, I grew up in a family of around, there were seven of us all together. And that was, that played a huge part in my, in my own life as well. And that, that also played a huge um, part in my own discernment to this community. Um, because in in th this community is basically like a it's a family it's a family unit you know and but I think 
my life and community here within Norbertines has deepened my understanding of, of my life within my own family growing up and, and how that um, and how that impacted me in my own formation leading up to this point now in the formation as an Norbertine. Um, so it really, this the way of life invited me to look back on growing up and those relationships and the importance of those relationships, relationships and how those shaped who I am um, and how those, and how both of those ways of life, um, both of my family now here, how those kind of formed each other, I guess. <laughs> they formed each other. Um, and it really gave me more of an understanding of the importance of community and and what that plays in, in everybody's life, no matter what. Um, so like you said, our, our charism is, is a community, um, communio. And, um, that's, that's, that is, that is what we, we do here in Albuquerque. Um, our gift from the Holy Spirit is just that to be a community for the local church. Cause like I had mentioned earlier, it's, it allows us to respond to the needs of the local community here, um, in the South Valley of Albuquerque, you know, so kind of growing up, and now, you know, it's all impacted each other and has, has allowed me to see the, the bigger reality of what community is, not only in the community and my family structure, but also out here in Albuquerque and how that all kind of intertwines with each other. So it, it's all, it's interesting how everything just kind of is, is all related with each other, connected to each other and, and how they all form who we are and how who we are forms the world at large, you know. So it's, 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 it's amazing. <laughs> I love it. How, well, so then how does, um, how would you say that, you know, your charism of uh, community, how does that tie into the Norbertine spirituality? Yeah, so um, part of our spirituality, you know, is, um, is very contemplative. Um, that contemplative as well as the, the little bit of the activeness that we have. Um, our contemplative life together plays a huge role in um, in what we do. And so, actually, let me, I have a little in our, so we follow the rule of St. Augustine. Um, and he wrote his rule for his community who was living together. Um, and let me just read to you guys the first, um, the first part of the rule, which is called fraternal unity in God. And so I think that'll give us like a, a good starting point to continue moving forward in, in, in kind of our understanding of spirituality and how community plays a huge part of that. Uh, so it begins, let us love God above all things, dearest brothers, then our neighbor, for these are the chief commandments given to us. These are the precepts which we order you who live in the monastery to observe. The first purpose for which you have come together is to live in unity in the house and to be of one mind and one heart on the way to God. So our life in community is, so we, we all, we were all called to live, live this way of life. We, we had that invitation from, from Christ and from the spirit and, and we, each of us have responded to that in some way or another. And it led us, it led us to this one place. 
And in the rule of Augustine, that first part there that we heard was that we all come to live together um, on that search for God. Um, but there's also kind of a command in there um, to love God above all things. And for us, a huge part of that is we learn who God is. We get to learn who God is through our brothers with whom we live. Um, so our spirituality is very Augustinian in the sense that we are trying to live our lives as best as we can according to St. Augustine's rule that he gives to all of us to try to live to live the best life with each other, you know, um, on that search for God. But also we come together as, as, as um, one mind and, and one heart on that way to God. So all of our, all of our differences, all of our, um, so everything good about us, everything bad, all our differences, our uniqueness that we bring to the community, it becomes one. And, you know, we all, we all journey together as one, as one body, as one mind and heart, as, as Augustine calls us to. And so even at that, even in our search for God, according to St. Augustine, it's all very communal and it depends on, on our commitment to each other, our relationship with each other that we share in common life, in prayer, um, and even in our own um, prayer by ourselves um, that we do kind of alone and stuff, you know, so that our, our life and community is very connected to our own spirituality as, a, as an Augustinian order. Yeah, I love that. So then would it, would it be safe to say that, like, um, <clears throat> you know, each person within the community, each brother, um, is, you know, sort of a, maybe a manifestation of, of God that you can experience, encounter God? Um, and then each, each, Sophia, if I'm understanding you correctly, each uh, person makes up kind of like a piece of the, you know, the puzzle, so to speak, of the community? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, as, as we understand, you know, as, as Catholics, that God is present in each and every single one of us because he created us, you know. And so to be able to encounter God through another person is, is always, is always very moving. And, and, and especially in such a small community like ours, because um, we're, we're not a very large community. We've always, ever since our founding as a, as a monastery about 35 years ago, I believe, um, or as a community about 35 years ago, I should say, um, we've, we've always fluctuated between, around the teens numbers, 15 to 20 people. Um, and it's always been like that through our entire time as a, as a community. Um, so we really see in, in how big of a, or how small of our community, our, we see how, in how small our community is, how each and every single person impacts what our life becomes here and how our life takes shape with each other. Because since we're so small, we get to interact with each other a lot, a lot of time. And so we see each other all the time, usually every night for dinner. And so each, each person brings something different to the community. And it's, and it's a beautiful thing to see, to see the gifts that God has given them that they bring and the gifts that God has given all of us and how we bring those and kind of how it makes this one, this one sort of, uh, this one sort of thing, you know? <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Nice. So Patricia, I want to, I want to um, maybe backstep a little bit, but um, I'm wondering, uh, you know, and, and you, you talked a little, we've talk, been talking a lot about the Norbertines, um, but you also talked earlier about kind of your discernment process. Um, but I'm curious, did you always um, have the, this desire to maybe to join the Norbertines or to, were you, did you um, have any pull maybe towards different 
way of religious life. Um, yeah. What, what was that discernment process like for you? Yeah. Um, I guess before, so kind of backtracking to a little bit, just before my discernment. Um, so I, I really wanted to be a pilot. Um, so I, I went out to Arizona and everything to visit a school called Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. Um, so some, some people might have heard of that. Um, so I went and visited there and then came back and stuff and then uh, decided to do stuff in the medical field. And then um, eventually, you know, all that kind of all of that sort of changed and switched as I was in college. <laughs> and so then began the process of discerning, um, you know, again, that that larger call to to life from God. And and in that call, something that I, I realized was how important it was for me to be home um, with family. You know, um, I wanted, I decided, I knew I wanted to stay in New Mexico because um, family is such a huge, important thing to me. Um, and when I began discerning a life within the church, um, I, I was looking at, you know, the diocese um, because I knew I wanted to stay within within New Mexico. Um, but I also knew an important thing for me was, was having other people with whom I could journey and who would understand, you know, kind of the struggles and the challenges of, of what it is to live a life um, that we're living here now um, in the monastery, here in the Abbey. And so I, I wanted to look at a few other orders um, but there wasn't really an order that would allow me to stay here in New Mexico. Um, now, there was a Benedictine community um, in, in a place called um, Abiquiu. It, it was actually near Abiquiu, but it was, it was very secluded. Um, but I, I, I eventually discerned that that wasn't where I was being called to because it was it was like I said, very secluded, and you're not you you can't leave. And a huge thing for me was again being able to see family. Um, so when I had met Father Graham, actually, um, <laughs> he he was the one who invited me to come out and visit. And so when I visited, like I told you guys, it was uh, I felt like I was I was very comfortable here. I started feeling like I was at home. Um, and so I knew this was a place that I wanted to that I wanted to look more into. So I felt like I didn't like God was wasn't asking me to look at um, other communities or other different religious orders. Um, so I think I, with, it, with other orders that I was looking at with all, I guess with uh, seriousness was, uh, was the Benedictines. And again, that was because they were in New Mexico, but then along came the Norbertines. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like from what I understand, uh, you know, Benedictines are, or, uh, hospitality so community is probably a huge element to what they do as well which i can see i can imagine there's similarities within that but yeah oh, that's yeah. cool so patricia you ready to nerd out um i um <laughs> I, I understand <laughs> so, well, I, I understand that um you know you're currently you're studying theology as, as a part of your formation so yes. um do you have any favorite classes or like specific interests within theology yeah, so I guess so to start, um, so this is my first year of theology, which is which has been such a great experience, and I really enjoy it a lot. Um, I think so far, so my favorite classes so far have been um, 
this semester have been New Testament and, um, excuse me, and uh, moral theology. Uh, so to start with New Testament, it's just really interesting to kind of see how the new, how the, uh, we're, we're still in the Gospels right now, so we're still in the beginning of that. But it's really interesting to see how the Gospels developed and how, and how each author of that, how each Gospel writer was portraying a different image of Christ to a particular community or group of people, you know. And now we have these thousands of years later, thousands of years later, to guide, to help, to help us in guiding our own lives as well, you know. Um, so it's interesting, interesting to see that that development and and kind of the richness and the diversity of of what the New Testament is. So I really I really like that class and and it's I think is one of my favorite this this semester so far. Um, and the moral theology that that so it's I really enjoy that class, but it's also very challenging for me because um, it reminds me very much of a of a class in in the field of philosophy called ethical theory. And that for me was the hardest class I have ever taken. So moral theology for me is like ethical theory for Catholics. And um, in there, why I like it so much is because, um, like I, so I, I told you earlier that it, um, I had my midterm in moral theology today, actually. And part of that was looking over a case in a moral situation um, of someone's life. Um, and so our instructor, he'd given us a case that was, that, was, um, that was something that he had to deal with himself in his own parish. And, and um, so he wanted to give us a real life situation. But what's moving about it is that you're encountering people in some of their most vulnerable moments and some of their moments when, when they're, they're in need the most, you know? Um, so being able to walk and journey with people, um, in, in something like that and, and trying to help them, you know, listen to God, find God's voice and whatever it is that's happening, um, is, is, is something very moving and it's something very touching for me that people would, that people allow us into the most, to the innermost depths of their own hearts and their own struggles and challenges and challenges and that they're, that they're willing to open up about those things is very, is very moving. So I think for me, that's why I really enjoy moral theology quite a bit is because of, of, of the encounter and experience with, with people, with God's people. So it's, I like it. So I think my interest in, in theology would be sort of, I guess, theology around pastoral ministry and, and things like that, you know, so I, I really like that counseling and, and stuff, things like that. I, I, I enjoy that. <laughs> nice. I like that. Super cool. All right. So I have a two-part question for you. Um, oh, all right. <laughs> it's like it's kind of the same question, but slightly different. So I want to know, um, what was one thing that you were not expecting to be a part of religious life, but it was? I guess when I joined religious life, when I was, when I was just first starting out, I thought I was going to have to change like who I was, you know, but that was the complete opposite of what was expected in religious life. Um, because in religious life, it's actually, they, they push you into the deepest parts of who you are. And so for me, it was actually 
you know, it's, it's finding that authentic self, your authentic self within God, you know? So you become your fullest self here and you don't hide anything about yourself. <laughs> so everything, your past, who you are, your past, who you are now and stuff and kind of how you've been formed from all your past experiences, you know, those all play a huge part um, in religious life. Um, but, but I think that was the biggest, the biggest kind of shock for me is because I became more authentically myself here in the community. Um, so that, that was, that was kind of, I, I was surprised. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> that's so cool. That, that's one of the things that I think I love to just to just generally about like spirituality is like, it's not so much being something we're not going to be whatever super, super, uber, at least in my opinion, super, uber, like pious, but it's more of just being as authentically ourselves as we possibly can. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's like just the amazing thing with spirituality is kind of looking back from when you first really began to, to, uh, I guess, really put yourself into a spirituality and things like that and to watch ourselves from, to, or I guess to see ourselves now and compared to when we all first started that, that spiritual journey, how we've all been transformed, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Part two of the question is kind of like, I guess the opposite. So what was one thing you were expecting to be a part of a, a religious life, but was not there? Oh gosh. Huh. That, that's a, that's a hard question because I was really, <laughs> I wasn't entirely sure what to expect coming in, you know? Um, so I, I, I just, so I came into the very, uh, I'm sorry, my, my dog is, is here in the room with me and she's, complaining right now to get out <laughs> um i guess actually one thing <laughs> is my dog <laughs> nice there uh so i have a, i have sort of two answers to this so first with with my dog so there were no no animals and stuff like that allowed here uh so i had to write a proposal in order to get a dog um so we argued about that at, at our, our our annual chapter meeting here in the community and lo and behold we eventually we, we got a dog now. So that was something I never expected would have been possible. Um, but going back to the kind of, I guess, not really knowing what to expect or not really, I, I came in with an open mind because I wasn't sure what I was entirely looking for, you know? Um, so, that oh my gosh, man! That, that that's that's a hard question. <laughs> but I feel like that leaves it more open. Like you left it more open to the spirit. To like, you yeah, were, it has to be this. It has to be that. But like, you just experience it. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. It was. I really felt like I was like I mentioned I was at home, and so. But what to expect in in religious life was was kind of a was kind of was a mystery to me, you know. Um, and so it's a. I mean, it's all still something that continue to unfolds that continues to unfold every day and there's something new that you learn every day within this own within this journey you know so still it's it's, it's a mystery <laughs> yep yep love it all right patricio um we're unfortunately coming to the end of our time but fortunately we have some fire round questions are you ready i i am ready i will do my best <laughs> <laughs> so just answer these as quick as you can um okay Number one, uh, what person do you think best lived out the values of Jesus, dead or alive? St. Augustine. <laughs> nice. 
right. Um, favorite method of prayer right now? Silence. No, nice. I love it. Um, <laughs> if you were if you were a pope for a day, what would you do? I would eat pizza in Italy. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. All right. Um, this is a controversial one, Patricio. But um, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Three hundred forty-two. Calculated precisely. Oh. Love it. it precise. I had an equation and I was working out it in my mind real quick. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You, you have to. I mean, okay. All right. Now, this one's even more controversial if you're a New Mexican. Um, red or green? Oh, red. There's only one way, and I stand by this, and it is red chili. Nice. All right. Yeah. So, I got, I got so you're, the, you're the only person I've asked that because I think you're the only New Mexican, but. Um, <laughs> For our listeners, um, red or green means uh, what kind of chili do you want? If you want red chili or green chili? And Patricio is wrong because the best answer is Christmas, which means both. Um, you know, we, we will have, you know, we, this is a question for moral theology, man. <laughs> yeah. What is it's the best answer? like green chili. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, Teresa, thanks so much for taking the time and sharing your experience and your wisdom. This is, this is fun. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Jacob. It was really good to talk with you and really good to see you over Zoom. I know I know the listeners won't be able to see, see the conversation, but they'll be able to hear it. So, but it's nice yeah. to see you again. All right, everyone. Take care. Thanks for listening. Peace.